welcome. My name is Rachel Brinke. I am a business strategist and intellectual property attorney, and I love working with entrepreneurs. And I try to put out as much content as I can to help all of you in your businesses, not just on the legal side, although that's primarily what I'm known for, but also the business strategy side. So today, I'm actually going to be targeting it on both sides of this because I want you to hear not just like kind of how I look at things and things that you guys need to be aware of, but so that you realize that there are different facets to things that are being said on the interwebs now by these industry leaders. And honestly, some of this is really just come out of the rants that I've had with my team, with other industry leaders. And I am just kind of sick. And I know many of you are as well hearing like this redundant information. And honestly, some of it is really crappy information. So we're going to dive into two major myths. One's going to be a key business strategy one, and the other is going to be legal. Now, I understand that if you're here for legal, you're going to have to stick around for a bit. There will be a replay so you can snag that there. If you are on this watching live, please drop a comment, leave a little emoji, and let's just have a little fun with this. I'm not going to take too much of your time today. So many of you are busy entrepreneurs, and my plan is to have quick but very valuable impact. Information. Now, if you are new to me, I'm not going to go into my whole entire history. You can just Google Rachel Brinke. I'm the only one in the world who can take a look to see what all I have going on. But the key thing that I want to share with you for all of my teachings, whether it's on the intellectual property attorney side or if it's on the side of the business strategy, whatever it is that I'm bringing to the table is really not just from being an attorney, but from being an entrepreneur. And even more than that is being a very busy person who really emphasizes life over business. That doesn't mean I don't love business. I absolutely love business. I love the impact in the world. I love making money. Money is freedom financially, physically, and emotionally. Resources are wonderful. But really, you know, as much as I love business, at the end of the day, I want to be as strategic as possible and create the business that I want so I can live the life that I want. And that's really the whole goal. If you want a little bit more about that, just check out the different social media pages that I have. I share, I'm an open book. I'm share all and circling back around to our topic for today about how industry leaders are lying to you. It's so easy for us to log onto social, see these industry leaders spouting out different information and just blindly following them because they're an authority type position. But sometimes I think perhaps they may have good intentions, but at the end of the day, they can do more damage than good. And so this isn't like a knock on any specific industry leaders. This is a culmination of almost like hashtag Rachel's rants over the year of different things that I've been thinking about and that I just really feel like I have a duty to bring to all of you so that you're not going to fall into these traps. So the first one, because we're going to go over two, the very first one, is this idea that everyone is going to succeed in business. You walk on to, and by walk, I meant log, <laughs> you log on to any podcast or social media profile, Pinterest board, you're going to see all these inspo posts. And I am a huge fan of inspiration and your mindset. The whole, my phrase is I get to do this. I'm a cancer survivor. And I even still have to remind myself every day how thankful I am to have the resources, skills, and ability to do what I'm doing. However, I don't believe that everyone will succeed. That doesn't mean that they can't succeed, but it doesn't mean that everyone who gets an entrepreneurship is going to succeed. 
Now, before I get into my points on this, if you are somebody that's sitting here and you have been so overwhelmed, this little section's for you. But understand, even if you go through this checklist that I'm going to give, talking about how you can succeed and the different little mistakes that people are making that ultimately ends in them not succeeding is guess what? There is success in recognizing that entrepreneurship might not be for you. So don't log on social and see because person A down the street or this on Instagram is spouting X, Y, and Z and they make it look amazing. You are different than them. And that's actually one of the great things about entrepreneurship, but you can choose to not be in it and that's not failure. I work with many clients one-on-one, not just in my law firm, but in business consulting. And I often find that many are like, oh, I quit my nine to five or my family needs the money. I just absolutely have to stay an entrepreneur or I'm just embarrassed to tell people I don't want to do it. Well, guess what? You don't have to stay committed to it and that's okay. Actually making the choice after you go through these steps I'm going to share with you is a really good sign of strength because at the end of the day, and I share about this all the time on social, entrepreneurship is not just for like financial recovery, right? Not just to get money in the door. We want to serve ourselves, serve those around us and our community. And you're not going to be able to effectively do any of that if entrepreneurship really isn't for you. But maybe you're someone that's sitting on the fence or you're someone that's been in business for so long, but you just need a little rejuvenation. Well, this also goes on the tail end of this whole myth that industry leaders say that everyone's going to succeed. Not everyone's going to. They can, but just like I just mentioned, some people decide they don't want to or they simply don't follow these steps that I'm going to give you. For example, a key, key one that I've really recognized, I think we've really seen this a lot within the last 16, 18 months dealing with pandemic, especially, is that we fail to be self-aware of the season of life that we're in. Oftentimes, we get into entrepreneurship, we're digging around in Facebook groups, we're looking on social media, and we get this idea in our head of how we want our business to be. And oftentimes, we're trying, it's like square um, square peg and a round hole type of situation. We're trying to fit our life to that uh, that entrepreneurship mindset, that goal that we want it to be. And we're not aware of the season of life that we're in. Let me give you an example. Many of us were thrust during pandemic to have to evaluate and be self-aware of the season of life that we were in. If you had kids at home, if your nine to five had shifted to online, if everything was upended for everyone, so we were forced for this self-awareness. But when we're not in a situation like that, oftentimes we'll get into business and say, okay, I need to make this amount of money, have this amount of clients, produce this amount of hours per week, move the needle this much, and you don't think about how things change. Very perfect example, since I'm a mom of five, this is what I like to share, is I very specifically scale back on the things that I'm going to do during the summer. That is a season of life that I just know that I'm not going to be affected to my clients, to y'all, to myself, to anyone. If I'm trying to keep the same amount of work hours in the summer that I'm trying to keep when the kids are home, not only am I taken away from them, but then I'm becoming stressed out. I'm not being effective and it just doesn't work. So I need to look at knowing, okay, when the kids go back to school, I'm going to have more hours in the day. Like right now I'm able to sit and do this because they're not home from school yet. But why is this, why is this weird? How is this a myth? How are industry leaders lying to us? 
because so many teach. All right, you just gotta come up with X number of gold clients you want per month, X amount of money, and you don't change based on the season of life. If I'm working less in the summer, I'm probably gonna have revenue that's a smaller amount. So what does that mean? I probably need to offset that with the season, like when the kids go back to school in my example, I'm able to take more sessions, I'm able to do more work, or I can fluctuate my pricing and my marketing to suit those seasons of life. So this is what I'm saying, is that yes, you can succeed, but not everyone is going to for one of the reasons they're not going to identify and be self-aware to the season of life. They're trying to fit into the very specific squares and plans that these industry leaders are teaching and not recognize that sometimes that's just not feasible. And what does this mean? It ends up resulting in burnout, in overwhelm, ineffective service, which ineffective service then is a shoddy output, which then is going to kill any potential referrals. And it just becomes a whole domino effect. So the very first tip that I have for ensuring that you're going to be able to reduce overwhelm and to succeed in your strategy is being self-aware of the season of life and adjusting your financial, physical uh, structure in order to suit that. On the tail end of that is failing to make a plan. So many entrepreneurs are just out here. And friends, I get it. It's so easy. We have shiny objects. We get overwhelmed. We just don't know. You're not being consistently planning. What I mean by this is I don't want you to sit down and create a business plan once, much like I just talked about, and then just execute. You got to be in tune with it. It's got to change. It's a living, breathing plan they are going to have for your business. You can't grow if your plan doesn't grow and change as well. Now, of course, doing all this activity, this self-awareness and this planning doesn't mean anything if you haven't really defined what your success looks like. Again, industry leaders are going success, 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 but they're loosely using this term without definition. On one hand, that can be a good thing, right? Because I feel that success should be defined internally to ourselves, and that could change based on season of life. It was successful for me through pandemic of helping five kids at home in order to do virtual learning and to reach the X amount of clients that I needed to today and fulfill services for them. That was success then. When I have more time, my revenue success numbers might go up. So what is your definition of success? Let's split the hairs on this a little bit. I feel like there's this big, what's the word that I'm looking for? There's like this big outpouring of the term success, success, success. And it's talking about the end goal, that end journey destination that you're looking for. That is success. Now, in business, the journey is up and down. We've got highs and lows. We have little successes as we go along the way. So make sure that when you're looking at your plan and the season of life and you're looking for success achievement, you're not trying to reach the end destination in your first year of business or the end destination in a time period when you don't have time to give, like with pandemic and trying to do virtual learning and all this sort of stuff, right? So it's, again, it's that self-awareness and planning, but make sure you're defining success properly. And this is a big one, and then we'll move on to legal, is outsourcing is not the key to success. Oh, I could get on a soapbox about this one. This is huge, 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 huge. Many of us are solopreneurs, or we are the head of our business, and we've cobbled together either employees or contractors to assist us in our business. And it is so easy, and you hear it. You just log on to any Instagram Reel, TikTok, industry leader webinar. They're going to tell you outsource, outsource, outsource. And that's kind of it. They just tell you about, oh, your hours are opened up. Everything's great. Commit the money, and you'll have success. But this is such wrong information. 
the sliver of truth to it is, is that yes, to really ultimately be able to scale, to get to that real business and real life that you want to have, your fingers can't touch everything in your business all the time. That is the reality. Unless, stepping back to what we just talked about, unless that's your definition of success. If you're able to reach that definition with just you, great. But if you're really looking for a trajectory of growing and scaling, you're going to have to outsource at some point. So industry leaders aren't necessarily lying there, but they're not sharing the step before that. I am a huge, huge, huge proponent in believing that every single entrepreneur, doesn't matter what industry that you're in, your fingers need to touch every single job in your business before you hand it off. Now, there are some exceptions, you know, such as like legal services, hiring an attorney, CPA, financial planner, but even then, you still need to be digging up to have the requisite knowledge to be able to make decisions like a strategic CEO in your business. But let me give you an example of what I mean by not just blindly outsourcing, not just blindly abdicating. This is website setup, social media uh, creation and strategy, anything in your business you can think of. There is a large major corporation that is restaurants. Probably almost all of you, if you're U.S.-based, you've eaten at one of these restaurants at some point in your life. And I worked for them when I was in undergrad. I was waiting tables in the evenings, had our son at home in the day, plus I was doing cancer treatments and working on growing my business at the time. And one of the things that I absolutely loved and was this idea that in order to get some management, you had to work every single position in the restaurant. It didn't have to be necessarily long-term, but you had to be busboy. You had to be chef, uh, prep cook, hostess, server. You had to do every single position. Why? Well, it boils down to this. If you just simply walked into a restaurant or walked into your business and all of a sudden you're the head and you're outsourcing it all, you're not going to have the appreciation for what goes into it. You're not going to be able to strategically lead the people that are in those positions. You're not going to be able to effectively hire for those positions, and you're not going to know how to make decisions needed. And then also, what if they don't show up one day? What if the dishwasher doesn't show up and you don't know how to run the dishwasher in a restaurant? Sounds a little funny. If you ever worked food service, you know what I'm talking about. Those things are crazy. All these buttons, it's a lot going on. But let's relay that to our business as well. If all of a sudden you have been having someone manage your Facebook ads for you and they don't show up, they quit, God forbid they get sick, or they just fall off the face of the earth, How are you going to carry on? Are you going to have to run around, try to hire someone else? You need to be able to, in the interim, be able to do the positions. Another example with the Facebook ads thing, you don't want to just abdicate and pass it off. Real life example, this just happened to me lately. I have been doing Facebook ads by myself for years because, once again, I truly believe that you should try to do every position in your business. There becomes a point where it becomes effective and diminishing returns, but at least to learn it before you start handing it off. I hired someone that was really highly recommended to run my Facebook ads totally be, so I could be hands-off and not have to worry about it. Now, if I was someone brand new, that would have felt great. And it actually did feel pretty good because I had been managing it for so long. However, I decided to log in one day and just kind of check out and see how the reports were going and how everything was. There were so many mistakes. There were so many wrong things set up. The algorithm was then working against me. I was spending more money for less return. I would not have known that if I did not already have some, it doesn't have to be complete expert, but some requisite knowledge of how to use Facebook Ads Manager. I would have been blindly still paying that person thousands of dollars and not getting anything in return. In fact, actually hurting me and hurting my reputation with Facebook through the way that the ads were set up. 
So not only in that situation did I was I able to review to see how the person was doing, so because I, I had already touched and learned and had the requisite information, I had oversight, I could then now expertly hire in the future, and I was able to maintain them in the meantime while I found somebody else. So if you're in one of those positions where you're looking to outsource, if it's editing or social media or whatever it is, make sure that you've done the position. And I think really, as a leader, as a manager myself who runs multiple teams, I think it's so important just fundamentally, even for all these other reasons that I mentioned, that in you are working these positions, you get an appreciation for them. You know, and I'm going to apologize to my team because they're either going to watch this live or they're going to listen to this later. I have a tendency now, even 15, 16 years into this, I've done all the roles in my in my different businesses. And sometimes I'll forget how many hours it really takes when you get into a certain task. And I am able, if I force myself to stop and think, okay, how long did it take me? How long does it take? What is the KPI, key performance indicator on that and the metric? And I'm able to have a little bit more patience and understanding because it's easy when you're not the person doing the role, right? It's easy for you to not really understand what goes into it. So now, Industry leaders saying must outsource to success. You gotta have this, this these steps in between all the things that I just outlined here. Again, that's having the appreciation, it's being able to hire and to effectively lead, and also be there if there's if for oversight and if you have to step in at any point. All right. So again, I don't believe that everyone is going to succeed. I believe they can. But as you can see, there's all different ways that are very fundamental. And this sounds a little foo-foo and pie in the sky, but this little checklist that I just outlined of being self-aware of season of life, making the plan, defining success properly, having your own definition of that, and also outsourcing properly after you've gone through the different steps are going to set you up into a position of either being able to move toward that needle towards a successful definition, whatever you set it to be, or giving yourself permission to be able to say, guess what? Entrepreneurship isn't for me. That is okay, friend, and that is brave, and that is awesome if you've realized that that's what you, not what you want to do. But I caution you, don't get into that position because you feel overwhelmed. Walk through this first and see if this is really something that you want and that you can make happen. So number one myth was that everyone will succeed, and I think they can, not that everyone will. Let's move into legal. And of course, I've been affectionately called the contracts queen, different industries that I've been doing legal stuff in. Again, like I mentioned at the very beginning of this, the information that I bring here is not just because I'm an attorney and have seen some horrible things happen to clients before they came to me. You know, they came to me after the fact, but they either did have a contract that wasn't so good or didn't have one at all. And I, but I say this more as a business owner like you. I would rather spend my time, money, and energy, not on attorneys. <laughs> uh, it's kind of weird for an attorney to say, right? I'd rather spend my time, money, and energy on moving the needle in my business, on my marketing, on my clients, on my family, on being able to do the things that are for me outside of that. But you can't if you put yourself into a position. And this is one that I actually have real life stories about. So the number two myth here is that you don't have to use contracts or you shouldn't use contracts. There's variations that I've heard. And actually, this comes out of a phone conversation that happened probably six or seven years ago with a really huge industry leader. I'm not going to say their name. And we're talking about, oh, yeah, are you going to be at the major industry conference? It'd be great to see you. And it just, you know, the, the conversation just kind of ebbed into other things. And I remember this person saying to me, 
after I kind of explained what I do for a living. And they said, well, you know, I don't recommend contracts to my clients. In fact, I tell them not to use them because I don't use them. Of course, I about, I literally did fall off my chair because I was like, what? And I was like, okay, that's fine. Everyone has their own opinion. I end up giving my outline of, and I'm going to give it to you guys here in a little bit of like why I think contracts are important. They're way more than just legal tools. It'll prevent issues. It'll save you time, money, and energy and all of that. But I wasn't really going to beat her over the head with this whole contracts idea. Fast forward about nine, 10 months later, guess who's in my inbox asking for help. And it's really unfortunate because it's a situation that could have been avoided had they used a services contract in this relationship with their clients. It would have outlined the expectations. It would have allowed for customer service. It also would have set the legal protection and confines needed uh, because it doesn't matter if you go into this thinking, oh, I'm never going to uh, pursue my clients. You never know if they're going to pursue you and you want to have protections like attorney's fees. Where's the dispute going to be resolved? How is it going to be resolved? These sort of things. And and they came to me and were like, okay, I need your help. And it ended up costing a lot more money than they had one in the first place. Now, what absolutely, like, even now as I'm talking, I can feel my lungs, like, restricted. I'm like, ugh, because why... It just is so scary to think that an industry leader was in these classes, major industry conferences, sharing, you don't need one. You don't need this. If you just if you just have good customer service and a good client guide, you're good to go. Or use terms and conditions, which, by the way, friends, terms and conditions can be a contract, right? As long as it meets the requisite elements of a contract. So I just, I just caution all of you, if you're hearing these industry leaders who are not attorneys, who have never run into a situation for because... I'm always known for saying this. You never have an issue until you have an issue. Don't fall into the trap. It's simply because they're an authority leader on who are probably really, really good on teaching pricing and structure and marketing, but don't listen to them on the legal stuff, you know, and you don't even have to believe me. I would like to think that I'm an industry leader here. You don't even have to believe me. All you have to do is dig into one of my groups and take a look at all of the things, the way that contracts can avoid, the different issues that have popped up for other business owners just like you, and you just, just, take, just take a gander. And I think at the end of the day, and I can give you guys some little numbers on this, real-life situation, I have a whole podcast episode about how spending like $800 can save you $8,000 because I see it all the time. This, with this industry leader having this problem, is not just exclusive to that. It happens all the time. And I'm stumbling over my words because I'm remembering back to when I was first starting out in business. I didn't have two nickels to rub together. Like I shared with you, I was waiting tables in the evenings. We didn't have a lot of money. I was going through cancer treatment. And so I understand and empathize that there may not be a lot of money for the legal stuff, including contracts, especially with contract documents are not a legally required uh, document for most industries. If you're an attorney, often your engagement agreement is required, but lay photographers and fitness professionals and that sort of stuff, it's not legally required. Like the government's not going to come after you if you don't have one, but if you value protection, you value outlining customer expectations in one place, reducing miscommunications, putting all of them there, really important. And so I see it all the time where, uh, Business owners will be like, well, I don't have a couple hundred to eight hundred dollars for a contract. Then they're pursued by a client, and because they didn't have a contract, um, even though they were in the right, they still had to show up to court to defend it. They ended up spending how many thousands of dollars on attorney's fees, and then still ended up having to get a contract drafted on the back end. And it breaks my heart, you know, and it's funny, it's kind of weird as an attorney saying that, or at least you guys probably hearing that, because 
I make more money if I have to clean up messes. And But I'm not in this just to make money. I'm also in this for impact because I know that if I help another business owner, they're able to have the real business, real life they want. They're able to go and be, you know, during pandemic, they're able to be with their kids. They're, they're able to do the things they want to do. They're able to pursue Team USA like I do. They're able to do whatever it is that they want because they've taken the measures to save money by doing things on the front end and also prevent issues. The majority of time when there is little issues that happen with your clients when you're offering these services, it's not going to be one major thing. There's going to be a lot of little tiny miscommunications along the way. Then all of a sudden, it's going to be one little tiny one that was the last straw that broke that camel's back. And it's really easy to prevent more little straws being put on that camel's back if you're able to just have all your communications in one place through like contracts. For us being service-based type providers, even if we do have an end product, you're going to want to look at having a services contract up front. And that's typically what I refer to when I say have a contract, but there is a whole timeline. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that today in this video. I think we'll do that next week. Um, is there's a whole timeline. You want to be able to make sure you're protecting every step of the way. Now, keep in mind, I'm not trying to have you pay for your clients to death, beat your clients over the head with contracts. That's not what they are for. They are merely to be a preventive measure so that you can reduce any sort of potential reactivity or issues later. So I'm not saying you have to pull out a scroll written in goat's blood and carried by a pigeon to your client, right? You don't have to make it a crazy thing. Contracts are so, especially services contracts, are so incredibly common in any industry. Logging onto your phone, opening up your Instagram or your Facebook app, boom, you signed one and signed up for an account. That was the end user license agreement. That is a version of a type of a contract. So it's not weird. And in fact, depending on what type of um, services you're providing, many clients will actually feel safe and secure to know when they're handing you thousands or tens of thousands of dollars that they have legal protection as well. And so just keep that in mind that when you have these industry leaders, and I see it a lot, I, I gave you the story from like seven years ago, there was even um, some in the last few months saw it during pandemic and just know. Just know, it's, I never really can think of a situation where not having like a services-based contract is a good uh, course of action. Now, keep in mind, and I kind of dropped this nugget earlier, if you're doing what's called terms and conditions, that's still a contract so long as you have the requisite requirements, right, for a, for a valid contract. If it's through email, it could be a contract. If it's oral, it could be a contract, depending on what the services are, the amount of money, where you live. But for me, my biggest encouragement to you is have one one very specific services contract have everything in one four corners so there's no miscommunication no misunderstanding no issue with your clients the other side of that is also ensuring that you have a model release or a license so if you're the one that's photographed the photos and you're putting it on your social and on your website get a model release it's permission from the client to allow you to be able to post the photographs if it's a photograph um, that someone else has taken maybe it's a vendor or the client themselves took it and you're putting it on your social or website get a license from them just have it all in writing now this is not the be all and end all this is just a little insight into what we're going to talk about next week of the client timeline but just please Number two method to debunk many industry leaders that are telling you not to have contracts. Obviously, they need to come watch this video. Now, don't go tagging a whole bunch. And I'm really not thinking of very, so many individuals specifically. It's just a culmination of things besides the situations that I've shared with you here. 
And yeah, I mean, I just think the biggest thing is to understand you may go into business thinking that you're going to succeed, but if you don't do the steps, it's not going to happen. You're going to go into relationships with your clients and thinking, okay, well, I don't need a contract because I'm not going to pursue them when you don't know if they're going to pursue you or just really make it easy on you to put all communications in one place, all the really pertinent information, like when you want to get paid, how do you want to get paid? How much are they going to get? What are they going to get? Like the very foundational stuff, as well as the legal miscellany that I've kind of addressed. So as you guys can see, this was two quick points. It wasn't that quick though. Um, if you have any questions at all, please feel free to reach out. We're going to be trying to do these live every week. We're also going to be doing replays. So if you had to drop off, or if you're watching this on the replay, thank you for joining us and make sure you check out the brand website contract template forms. We have courses for like how to trademark and copyright your brand and just make sure that you're doing the legal things that you need to do. If you're looking for more like one-on-one business mentoring stuff, make sure you check out rachelbranke.com. That's where I have all of my business consulting and mentoring type services. And, but yeah, you all that's uh, paid for stuff. We just stick around for the coming weeks and on social, I've got free stuff coming at you and hope you guys have a good one.